love to hear from Henny now. She's going to share God's word. She's going to read to us. Thank you, Henny. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you've been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised, in putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by hands of man, but with a circumcision done by Christ having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Amen. Did you watch the coronation yesterday? I'm not going to ask if you didn't, but uh, (laughs) lots of people watched it. And there was an amazing procession through Uh, London, you may or may not be a royalist, but we do do this quite well in this country, don't we? (laughs) Um, And uh, there's lots of things we don't do so well, but (laughs) we do do that really well. And uh, it's an amazing procession of the royalty and, and of course, all the the horses and just all the processions, remarkable uh, as you go through... um, the set the capital of this of this country and of course kings and queens have done that for centuries they have processed through their land and when they do that it's a powerful demonstration to to their people here is your king here is your queen uh, and, and they've done that um, to show their power their authority to their people in ancient times if a king went out to war I don't suppose Prince Charles, uh, Prince Charles, King Charles would be doing that. But uh, in the ancient times when they go out to a war, they would come back. And if they were the winning uh, side, they would come back with a procession of all that they captured in the war, in the battle. Maybe um, treasures from the land they traveled to. And if they'd taken alive the enemy king, that enemy king would also be part of their procession, but he would be in chains. And they say, look who we've captured and conquered. Well, actually, the Apostle Paul uses this image of an ancient king returning to his people in victory. He uses this image to describe what Jesus did on the cross. He says, 
in doing so, he disarmed the powers and authorities, spiritual forces that you and I cannot see, but which are no long, uh, but nonetheless at work. He disarmed them, took away their arms, took away their power, took away their teeth, if you like, and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now, if you were a witness to the cross 2,000 years ago, that's not what it would have looked like. It looked like a man who had been a leader finally being defeated. And yet in the spiritual realm, Jesus was victorious over sin, over the devil, over death. Archbishop of Canterbury said yesterday in the service that Jesus' crown was a crown of thorns. His throne was a cross. And yet he's the King of Kings. Paul didn't look like he was victorious as he wrote this letter because he was locked up in a prison cell under arrest. And yet he knew that through the cross, Christ had had the victory. Now, do you know that you are victorious through Christ? Do you know that? Let me ask another question. Do you sometimes feel a bit defeated? Maybe more of us would go, yeah. <laughs> well, we're not. We're on the winning side. And actually, if we feel defeated, that's not the truth might not always look like victory to the outside world, but we are on the winning side because of Christ. The crowds received King and Charles and Camilla yesterday as who they are, who they've been called to be. And the question is, how are we going to receive Christ? Some people received Jesus in his day as someone who could benefit them, might even heal them, might drive out a demon, but they didn't then get up and follow him. The crowds who welcomed Jesus on the, what, what we celebrate on Palm Sunday, just before he went to the cross, they welcomed Jesus as a king. Actually, that looked a bit more like a royal procession, but they then didn't receive him as Lord, a lot of them. The Colossian church here, and actually it was interesting, Rishi Sunak read from Colossians yesterday. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. The Colossian church have received Christ Jesus as Lord. How have you received Jesus? Have you received him? Have you received him as your Lord? If he's Lord, that means he's Lord of all of me. And if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Is he Lord of you? Is he Lord of me? Is he Lord of my time, my thoughts, my passions, my desires? Is Jesus Christ my Lord? They'd received him as Lord, which he is. But they had to make a choice whether or not to continue to live their lives in him. And in some ways, starting in the Christian life is, is quite easy. God does all the work. <laughs> we just got to say, okay. But continuing to live in him 
That shows perseverance. Many people stop following Jesus. I'm not saying he still isn't in their life anymore, but I'm just saying they choose not to follow in his way. Continue to live your lives in him. And part of our, this is what we're about as a church, just continuing. Is anybody here the finished article? Apart from Jennifer, yeah. (laughs) None of us are the finished article, are we? We're all works in progress. I certainly am. But that's okay, because we continue. It's not about getting everything perfect today. It's just about, you know what? Today, I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue to receive Jesus as Lord. Are we a perfect church? But we continue to receive Jesus as Lord. We continue in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. There's that phrase. We just take a day at a time and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. How are you getting on with that? How are you getting on with that? It's the steady walk of following Jesus. It's the steady walk of following Jesus. There's many things that can distract us. And Paul talks here about deceptive philosophies, hollow philosophies that that depend on human ways of the world rather than on Christ. Now, philosophy is a lofty thing to study. It's it's great to, to think about things. And I don't believe God calls us to a blind faith. It's good to question stuff and to, to ask those deep questions. But often there are things that can seem attractive, but they lead us ultimately away from Jesus. Now, I don't think Paul is prescribing like a narrow, religious kind of, I don't want to use the word strict, but I will. Uh, you know, just Christianity, well, we're just, this is, you know, we're, we're very narrow. It's not about that. But it's about recognizing that it's all about Christ. It's all about Jesus. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. People say, what does God look like? He looks like Jesus. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Sometimes people say, I want to know what God's like, so I read the Bible. And they start at the book of Genesis, in the beginning. And that's understandable. But possibly a better place to start is with John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word. (laughs) Because ultimately when we see, if we want to see God in his fullness, we look at Jesus. God is revealed in Jesus. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. I mean, that's astonishing, isn't it? All in Jesus. Don't look any further than Jesus. And then get this. In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. We're included in the fullness. Now, who here would say that they're a a glass half full kind of person? That means you're kind of an optimist. One of Life's optimists. Who would say, by nature, you're a glass half empty person? Oh, that's good. Positive, yeah. Well, we're all wrong, actually. Because we shouldn't be either. We're all full. 
We're all full in Christ. You have been brought to fullness. Sometimes we start the day, oh, here we go again. We feel in that place of perhaps, you know, lack. We're aware of what we don't have. But in Christ we have fullness. And fullness in what counts. Fullness of God. Remember the hymn, In Christ Alone. Fullness of God in helpless babe. We sing that, don't we? Because fullness is in Jesus and we are in Jesus. Last week we thought about, we got Christ in us, the hope of glory. And he's in us, but we're also in him. We're in Christ. You can't get away from that. And get this, he is the head over every power and authority. I can't quite remember the words, but at the start of the service yesterday, the young lad came up to King Charles, welcomed him in the name of the King of Kings. He is the head over every power and authority. Do you ever feel like you've got maybe just that thing, that sin that you keep committing? There's that thing which, you know, you just can't seem to shake it off. Maybe, oh, I'm turning into my mother. Does anyone ever feel like that? I'm turning into my father. I sound just like them. I'd make the same mistakes that they made. And yet, we're not defeated and we're not slave to these things. Why? Because Jesus is the head over every power and authority. Every parent, every national leader, every prime minister, every prince, every king, queen, and so on. Jesus is the head over all of these. And what that means is that in the name of Jesus, there is authority. And what that then means is that us, through fullness in us, when we pray in Jesus' name, our prayers have power and authority. Not through our own efforts, but through the name of Jesus. So when you pray in Jesus' name, it's not, well, I hope for the best. You know, touch wood, fingers crossed. You're praying in the name of the one who is over every power and authority. It didn't look like that in... Uh, the days of the early church, really, because the emperor was on the throne and the church was scattered and relatively small. And it doesn't really look like that now in this country, which is increasingly secular. And yet, what do we believe? Do we believe the report of the newspaper or do we believe the report of the Word of God? He is the head over every power and authority. Now, in the Old Testament, for the Hebrew people, a sign for them to show that they belonged to God, if they were male, was that they got circumcised. And it was a physical symbol to show that they belonged to God's people. And then in the early church, they had a debate, well, should the non-Jews be circumcised as well? And they decided, no, they didn't need to be circumcised because Christ has done it all on the cross. 
And so it seems a little odd, but Paul uses the imagery here. He says, in him you were circumcised, but not through the physical circumcision that would take place uh, for the Jewish people, but through baptism, he says. The symbol is baptism. Now sometimes people say, why do, why do we have to get baptized? Well, guess what? You don't have to get circumcised. So, you know. Some people say, well, we don't need to be baptized to be saved. The thief on the cross, you know, he was saved, he didn't get baptized. That's true. And of course it's true. God's not slave to ritual. But if he could have done, he would have done. But he couldn't get off the cross. You have been buried with Christ in baptism. As you went down into the water, that symbolized your dying with Christ. But you have also been risen from the dead with Christ through your faith in the power of God who raises the dead. This is a symbol of what God has done in you. Now baptism, I know we make a big deal because we're a Baptist church and I apologise for that. And some of us wait decades, don't we Tanya? But to get baptised. But you don't have to. It's not meant to be actually the thing that you wait until you're almost perfect, until, oh, now I'm ready to get baptized. My wife is almost perfect, by the way. But, really, it's meant to be the gateway. It's your starting point. Just get baptized. If you believe and you haven't been baptized, just get baptized. Come and have a chat with me. It's a symbol of what God has done. And the word says, repent and be baptized. You were dead, and as we sang earlier, God has made you alive with Christ. He's forgiven how many of our sins? All our sins. All our sins. There was the charge against us that said condemned, that said guilty. Christ has taken it away and nailed it to the cross. What looked like defeat was in fact victory. So please don't hold on to your sins. You know, stroking them like a hamster. That's not you anymore. Let the hamster go free. Christ has died for you and for me. And so yes, his death on the cross was a triumph. A triumph. He made a public spectacle, shaming the evil forces. Now, I know that the devil is still active. Does anyone know that? That there is still evil in the world? We know that, don't we? Don't have to look far to see that. And actually, he's prowling around the church. Love to devour us. Love to sow division. Love to sow hatred among us. He's actually on the lookout to do that. But we don't need to be scared of the devil. Because Jesus is the head over every power and authority. And when we pray in Jesus' name, guess what? The devil is scared. He's terrified of you. You are scary. Did you know that? I know some of you are quite scary. <laughs> I'm terrified of you. <laughs> no, I'm joking. 
but actually you are because you're a warrior in the kingdom and the kingdom of the king of kings and as you pray you are powerful now of course we're not talking about lording it over people and we are here to serve and we're called to follow the servant king right but our prayers have authority because they're prayed in the name of Jesus this church is not a weak and ineffective church We are saturated by the grace, the mercy, the love, and the power of God. Holy Spirit, we invite you to move in among us. Thank you for the reminder today that Jesus has come to set the captives free. And Lord, for anyone of us or anyone we know or love who is struggling, Lord, I thank you that you've come to set us free. We acknowledge your presence today. just want to encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to move in you. I feel I'm to say to you that you're never too old or too infirm or disabled, or have difficulty to actually be baptised. Don't let the practical, the practicalities of it get in the way, because there is a way. If you're being prompted to see Dan about baptism, don't be put off by the practicalities. There is a way forward. Yeah. Thank you, Jennifer. John, the day of Pentecost, how many people got baptized? About 3,000. Did they have time to listen to everyone's testimony? No, I don't think so. Did everyone do a baptism course first? No, they got baptized. We do sometimes, and you know, I'm hold my hands up. We sometimes make it too hard, but thank you for sharing that. Maybe that as you're sitting here, God is prompting you. Jennifer's prompted. Thank you for coming and sharing. Maybe that's God's prompting you to share something with the church. Thank you, Jean. I don't know if I can adequately describe what I believe the Lord showed me yesterday. Part of my one of my readings was about Mary um, and how she was a virgin and how the Lord used her and I suddenly thought oh my goodness she was an unmarried mother and then I started thinking about Moses and how he murdered the Egyptian and Elijah and he ran away and Jacob was a deceiver but God just 
saw their hearts. And, you know, I've been going to church all of my life. Um, and so I've, I've always tried to be the good Christian, to walk the narrow road. And I just suddenly realized that I've been trying to do it in my own strength. Because God saw the heart of those, David, you know, David not only committed adultery, but he then murdered um, his girlfriend's husband. And yet God saw his heart and forgave him because he repented. And, and so whatever we've done, we can just come to the cross and we can say, Lord, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Wow. And can we can receive that freedom, that that absolution, and we can go forward. So, yeah, hallelujah. That's amazing. Thank you, Jean. in a prayer and if this is for you then particularly then Lord I give my heart to you sorry for how I've strayed so many times today I come to you and I receive you as my saviour and as my Lord Come into my life by your Holy Spirit. Amen. For some of us, that's a prayer we prayed years ago. And it's a question of rededicating ourselves to Christ. But for others, this might be new. You're not alone. Tell someone. Share the journey with others. We are here as a family. Bless you, Lord. Amen. I had a song prepared, but I don't think it's the right song for this moment. So I know this is going to throw a few things out of order, but that's what happens sometimes when the spirit moves. I think we should sing When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, on which 